When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fuming, but um, <laughs> it was a little bit of an exaggeration on the truth. On the truth, um, but we were we were definitely ready and raring to go for that one. Sports day, the seven seat Kia Sorento. Thanks to Maccas. SEN Track, the new sound of chasing, pacing, and racing. You can find it at fifteen ninety three AM. The Test. Season 2 follows the Aussie cricket players behind the scenes on Prime Video January 13. Streaker Marine. Stop dreaming and start boating. Mostly sunny across Melbourne today, a top of 27 degrees. The UV index predicted to reach 12 thanks to Sun Smart and cloudy tomorrow, a top of 24. And the Big Bash continues tonight with the Hurricanes taking on the Stars, live right here on SEN Cricket. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech drive the Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. Mornings on SEN. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Julian DeStoop with you on another stunning Melbourne day. For those of you returning to work for the first time after your Christmas break, I hope it hasn't been uh, too painful. The boys out the back here, certain Johnny and Benny Lyon, just bounced in full of enthusiasm uh, for 2023. I hope you're doing the same. Now, surprise, surprise, surprise. Only Sydney's poor weather prevented the Aussies clean sweeping the test summer. The West Indies were dispatched with ease. South Africa provided even less competition. But more importantly, what did we learn ahead of one of Australia's most important test years for years? India in India, followed by England in England. Well, a new ter- technique has certainly worked wonders for Steve Smith. Manus Labuschagne is in cracking form, as is Travis Head. But can he take that form on the road? Our fast bowling stocks have never been stronger. But how much of the Indian tour will Mitch Stark play? Ashton Agar failed to impress in Sydney. So just who is the second spinner alongside Nathan Lyon? Well, that is up for debate. Usman Khawaja joined the boys on breakfast this morning, and he certainly thinks the Aussies are well-placed for their first Test Series victory in India since 2004. Huge challenge. We haven't won there for so long. We've tried so hard. I actually thought last time, uh, I was carrying the drinks there last time, so I saw it firsthand. We probably should have won that series. We had our opportunity to win, but we just couldn't get over the finishing line. It's probably the toughest tour for us as Australians. Um, Indians make it very tough. Um, it's obviously a tough place to tour. The wickets, um, you know, are very different to what we've ever gotten. And, and actually, their, their players are very skilled in those conditions too. That's the biggest thing. So I've, I've been there a lot. I've been on two tours um, over to India. I, I genuinely believe that the team we have at the moment and the experience we've had. We have guys going over their second, third, um, I think fourth, maybe fourth tours um, back into the subcontinent in India. So that experience is invaluable. And I think this is probably one of our best opportunities to go over there and win a series. 
Do you share Usman Khawaja's confidence or do you uh, think it's going to be hard work for the Aussies again? We'll speak to Jared Waitley uh, very shortly. We'll wrap up the Tests uh, summer, but also mainly look ahead to those two big series and in particular India, given it is upon us uh, next month. So give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, 736 736 or th- send through a 40-winks-temper-text 0433-981116. Consumer's Choice winner, temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Are you confident uh, the Aussies will uh, put up a good showing in India? Who should be on the plane? Who should be the second spinner to back up uh, Nathan Lyon? And just uh, just give us some ideas of some people you'd like to see uh, on that tour of India. Now, wrapping up uh, the test, one more thing they got right, certainly at the SCG yesterday, was uh, a crowd of 20,000 for day five. We rarely see a crowd that big. Uh, at Test Cricket on the final day. And you go back to some famous Test matches uh, in this country and around the world that have had amazing finishes, but they've been played in front of two and a dog. Even go back to the Gabba a few years ago, that amazing Test match against India. Yes, it was a Sunday. Normally it is a working day or a weekday when this happens. But gold coin donation should be what we have for a fifth uh, fifth day of a Test match all the time. I mean, no one pre-books day five tickets because you don't know if a Test is going to go five days quite often these days, uh, particularly it seems in Australia, they don't. So why don't we do this every test match? Gold coin donation, get the crowd up for day five and get some sort of atmosphere for day five of a Boxing Day test. So they certainly got that right uh, up in Sydney. What they probably didn't get right, and uh, whoever made this decision, man of the series, David Warner, 213 runs for the series, 200 came in one innings. Even Pat Cummins was surprised after the match that uh, David Warner got the gong. In fairness to Dave Warner, I think he was surprised uh, that he got the gong. I would have had him fourth uh, behind, depending on what order you wanted. But Steve Smith, 231 runs in the series at 57, with a higher score of 104. Uh, Travis Head, 213 runs at 53, highest score of 92. No doubt played the most important innings of the whole series on a Gabba wicket where no one could make runs. Uh, Travis Head made runs and set up that test match for Australia. And then Pat Cummins, 12 wickets at 16.91 with best figures of five for 42. So how Dave Warner got man of the series, I'll never know. What, who was your man of the series? If you were giving out the uh, award, who would have you given it to? Give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, 736 736 or send us through a temper sex, 0-4-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-
my family, my close, close friends and Cozzy too much to put tennis in front of that anymore. I don't think that's healthy. I'm, I don't really have any expectations now in my matches. Like, I want to just go out there, have fun and take the pressure off. And then we can kind of live more of a normal life. It's much better like this, that's for sure. So that's just a little snapshot of what we'll see. Uh, Nick Kyrgios is one of the players that uh, stars uh, in that series. So just keen, are you keen to watch uh, both of these? If you've got the access, of course, one's on Amazon, uh, the Test Cricket one, and the other one uh, with the tennis is on Netflix. Are you keen to watch um, both? Is there one more than the other you're keen to watch? Will you try and get more insights uh, into Nick Kyrgios? Uh, give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Also coming up on our McAfee menu today, as we mentioned, Jerry Waitley will join us later on in the first hour to just wrap up the summer of uh, Test Cricket here in Australia. And, and I think more importantly, look forward uh, to big series in India and England. Kane Pittman from ESPN will join us to discuss all things in the world of basketball, both here in the NBL uh, and overseas. Our final week of the NFL is underway. Some interesting results, still some matches uh, going on. So Ben Graham, as always, on a Monday will join us uh, to wrap it up as we look ahead uh, to wildcard weekend next weekend and the playoffs. Obviously, it's been an extraordinary week uh, in the NFL with the DeMar Hamlin uh, story. Thankfully, uh, he's ticking all the boxes in his recovery, which is uh, fantastic news. And Buffalo back at home uh, playing today, and they certainly made the perfect start uh, in that match against the Patriots. Also, Andy Harper to discuss uh, the world of football. Extraordinary game uh, in the A-League on the weekend between uh, Wellington and and uh, Sydney with two missed penalties uh, from Sydney in stoppage time. Uh, Wellington down to nine men. The victory continued to struggle. Melbourne City continued to shine. And also uh, some shocks in the FA Cup third round uh, over the weekend as well. So we'll discuss that with Andy Harper from 10 and Paramount Plus uh, later on in the show. Just before we get to uh, any of your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Just some breaking news uh, in the world of footy from uh, Mark McGowan in The Age. Uh, Adelaide's top 10 draft pick Fisher Mackesy has stepped away from AFL football after initially going on personal leave. Uh, he will now be placed on the inactive list. Uh, he said in a statement, Unfortunately, I've lost a lot of enjoyment and desire to improve, which is required to make it at the top level, says Fisher Mackesy. So Adelaide's former top 10 draft pick, Fisher Mackesy is walking away from football after initially going uh, on personal leave. Already some 40 Winks uh, tempers coming through. Uh, Not confident Ashton Agar is played as the second spinner. His form doesn't warrant selection at all, but yet the selectors just continue to select him. It's time to try someone different and who is actually in form. Uh, In fairness, and uh, there's a a 40 Winks temper here, Pat Cummins has already said that Agar is on the plane to India. Yeah, I think there's no doubt he will be going. But uh, on the back of that performance uh, in Sydney, I'm not sure he's a lock uh, for the first uh, test over there. Uh, Free entry, says Mike, for day five for test match. I I wouldn't mind that. Just get some crowds in for day five. It certainly made a difference uh, yesterday. And if that was a really cracking finish, there would have been a good crowd there to see it uh, and a decent uh, atmosphere. Um, Returning to work and birthdays don't mix, says Michael. That's a bit unlucky. Birthday and you're going back to work for the first time. Uh, for the year, but have a happy birthday, uh, Michael. And uh, Warner's 200 will be the innings that will be remembered from this series. Boxing Day, first innings, career on the line, the heat, mental and physical, worthy man of the series on that one in- innings alone. Cheers. Now, I'm not sure one innings means you're the man of the series, as good as the innings was, and certainly probably 
It, well, it was the best innings of the series. Was it the most important innings of the series? Probably for David Warner it was. But for the series, I think there's no doubt that Travis Head's innings at the Gabba, when no one could make runs, uh, was the most important innings of the series. So give us a call, one 736 736 anything you want to talk about in sport. Uh, we're here to take your call. 0433-98-1116. Temper, a mattress like no other. Let's get our first breakaway here on Mornings for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel. It's in stock now. Good morning. Solid delays now starting to build across the Westgate Freeway due to a collision outbound at Williamstown Road. We've also had a collision causing delays on the Monash Freeway citybound between the Princes Highway and Narry Warren North Road. The two right-hand lanes are currently closed there with delays back to Clyde Road. 7.30 tonight, meet Australia's new bachelors, Thomas, Felix and Jed. Which two will find love and propose? The Bachelors starts 7.30 tonight on Channel 10. That's the latest SEN Sky Traffic. Giddy up with Gareth Hall, live right now on SEN Track. Call New Vision Clinics today on 1800 2020 to book your obligation-free laser eye consultation. Got caught behind last Saturday, had the next week's orders backed up and no supplies. So I get Steve-O down to get eco-mailers, stays on labels, Macca to sort packing tape, Mitchie to shoot across town and pick up boxes, and Tina, well... She lets it all go through to the keeper and says, nah, go where the locals go. Signet.net.au. Get the lot delivered, pull up stumps, get to the cricket. Signet. Lower prices, lowest hassle. I always wanted kids. Having a family was the dream. I guess I just never found the right person to do it with. For a while, it did really upset me. But then I thought, you know what? I can do it on my own. So I... What happens next is up to you, because the only way her story continues is with you. Donate sperm at Monash IVF and make the dream of having a family more than just a dream. Visit monashivf.com today. Harvey Norman Clearance. Get 60 months interest-free, no deposit finance from Latitude Financial. Shop our huge range of furniture, bedding, laptops, technology, TVs and entertainment, home appliances, flooring and more. That's 60 months interest-free, no deposit, no interest with 60 approximately equal monthly payments and monthly service fee of $8.95. Finance only available if you have or are approved for a participating Latitude credit card. Minimum finance amount $1,000. CTs and Cs. Interest applies for non-compliance. Product exclusions apply. 60 months interest-free from Latitude Financial. Harvey Norman Clearance. Limited time only. Prime Video's documentary series The Test returns for a second innings. Witness the journey of the Australian men's cricket team after the exits of Captain Tim Payne and coach Justin Langer. Tim Payne has stood down. We pull back the curtain to see the inner workings of the team as they navigate their way through scandal, discontent and an uncertain world. We want to be number one in the world. Watch it all play out. The Test Season 2 is coming to Prime Video on January 13th. Start your 30-day free trial today. Brick Lane Hi-Fi Dry Zero Carb Lager is brewed to precision by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Enjoy a clean, crisp finish with zero carbs and only 87 calories per can. Find it in First Choice, Liquorland or Vintage Cellars. Enjoy responsibly. Want to build a new home but need to move in now? 
Henley has fixed price, completed homes and townhomes ready to buy with premium inclusions in the best locations. Get the Henley Everyday Advantage. Buy a completed home and move in now. Henley.com.au If you love your lawn, you'll love 0% interest for 1,000 days on Toro's ride-on mowers, including the powerful yet easy-to-handle time-cutter zero-turn range, the professional-grade Zedmaster 2000 series and the quiet and convenient ES3072 volt battery ride-on mower. Love your work, love your Toro. See your local Toro dealer today. Approved applicants only. Fees, conditions and minimum finance amount of $1,000 applies. Credit by Hum Cards. Offer ends 31 March 2023. See torocatalog.com.au Life will tell you to play by the rules. That you should fit in, try harder, bulk up or slim down. But should you listen? No way. At Anytime Fitness, we believe when it comes to your health, you make the rules and we'll support you every step of the way. That's why we're the gym for anybody, anytime. Get started today at anytimefitness.com.au. Anytime Fitness. Are you ready to make your dreams a reality? Visit Streaker Marine in their undercover showroom packed full of Quintrex and Yellowfin boats. We love boats and want to make sure you're going to love your new Quintrex or Yellowfin package just as much as we do. Stock available now and ready for immediate delivery. Stop dreaming and start boating. Streaker Marine, 461 Mountain Highway, Bayswater. And online at streakermarine.com.au. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech drive the Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel or wheel drive. Mornings on SEN. Welcome back to Mornings. Beautiful Melbourne day out there. As footy clubs return today, all the clubs are back training as they gear up uh, to round one. We'll talk some footy uh, throughout the week. But throwing out a couple of questions uh, this morning. Uh, well, three questions, really, off the back of the cricket. One, do you share Usman Khawaja's confidence that the Aussies can get the job done in India? Such a difficult place for anyone to win, really. Australia haven't won there since 2004 in terms of a test Series, uh, who should have been the player of the series for the series against South Africa? It went to David Warner, which I think most people think is uh, pretty fortunate. Uh, 213 runs, 200 of them came in the, the Boxing Day test uh, in the first innings. And a couple of uh, interesting documentaries coming out the test. Uh, the second version of the test gets underway on Amazon. And then you've got the Netflix documentary on the world of tennis uh, with Nick Kyrgios being one of the stars. We watch it. Are you keen on both? Is there one over the other that you're keen on having a look at? Give us a call, 1300 736 736 or the 40 Wings Temper, 0433 98 11 16. Temper, a mattress like no other. Uh, plenty coming through on the Temper text. Uh, I'm bamboozled how Warner got man of the series. He shouldn't even be playing, to be frank. I uh, couldn't think of anything more boring and impossible to sit through than Curios talking about himself. Can't even watch the bloke play. Uh, Agar needs more time with the ball in his hand. Poor guy has played little four or five day matches in recent times. Uh, you couldn't pay me enough money to watch Curios, uh, says Gary from Peakhurst. Steve Smith should have been man of the series. Cummins got all the bowlers out, uh, says another one. <laughs> Just don't mind this. The curators at the SCG. Nuss just need to do the same pitch that we saw at the Gabba. That way, if it rains for three days, we can still get a test finished in two. 
little shot at the Sydney weather there. And uh, this is worth mentioning, Elise Perry, a couple of amazing performances uh, for Victoria uh, on the weekend uh, with about a couple of centuries. Uh, this time last year, people were saying Elise Perry was nearing the end of her career and that she was done in the shortest format, but her recent form has been phenomenal. Never write off a champion. And Roy, Roy's still going. Ben, Roy's still going. JD, still baffled. Hey, you stalled your car three times and got a license. Look, Roy, it was in 1998. You got to move on, my man. I'm in my 25th year of driving. It's okay. I got lucky. It was near Christmas. Did you fail or something, Roy? It's really seeing to really annoying you. Give us a call. Tell us what happened. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 So just on the test, this uh, second documentary, The Test. Uh, so it's going to focus on, you know, t- the, the resignation or the sacking of Tim Payne as captain happened uh, during the filming of this one. Uh, you know, Justin Langer's departure as coach, Pat Cummins taking over as captain. So there's a lot to talk about. If you go back, remember the first one that came off the back of Sandpaper Gate as Justin Langer began his coaching career, Tim Payne began his time as captain. Uh, Usman Khawaja was, you know, pretty outspoken at times uh, during that documentary, and he, he spoke about it again uh, on uh, Breakfast this morning. So it should be really fascinating uh, watching. Of course, it's on the streaming services. Not everyone has the streaming services, so that one's on Amazon. Uh, the Tennis One is on Netflix. So speaking of Usman Khawaja, great test match again for Usman Khawaja in Sydney. Just loves playing in that ground. Another century. 195 after day two, you thought he's going to go on and uh, make his, uh, after day three, sorry, he'll go on and uh, make his double hundred. But he didn't get the chance uh, because Pat Cummins declared to give Australia the best chance of chasing an unlikely victory. So when he was on with the boys this morning, uh, he was asked about that declaration from his captain. Yeah, the rain just kept cooking me. So I probably could have really tried to get that 200 the night before if if I really wanted to, but Obviously, having no idea, we're in day two. I'm thinking, oh, I got, I got tomorrow. I mean, I could get 400 here if I'm good enough. Like, you got all day tomorrow. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that at all. I did the rain all day through. I'm like, well, that's not ideal. But I thought, ah, oh, that's no, all right. Morning at day four, I'll just, I'll, I'll get it then. And then morning at day four, start raining again. I'm like, oh, this yeah. is. I know, I know, Pat wants to bowl. I know what we're trying. We still want to win the test match, and then. They take the covers off, and there's like a little muddy patch on the wicket. I'm like, man, nothing's going my way here. If we don't start soon, I'm in trouble. And I could just read the room. And I think if it went, if it rained again most of that day, and we were winning the day five, I think Paddy might have been like, no, let's just bat, boys. We're done with this game. But it probably finished at a time where we still felt like we could have won the game. And it was just unfortunate timing, to be honest. And yeah, I, I could sort of feel it off Paddy. You know, you can sort of walk past him and get this. Awkward tension. I'm like, yeah, he feel like, yeah, I know what he's thinking. <laughs> but, but it was all right. It was all right. So I, I actually made the effort. I went up to him and I said, mate, do whatever you need to. Don't worry about me. You got to try to win a test match. We all got to try to win a test match. What kind of teammate would I be if we weren't trying to do that? I was putting myself in front of it. So just take the emotion out of it. And he was like, no, I appreciate that. But it was fine. Yeah, so he knew what was coming, uh, Usman Khawaja. Look, it was the right decision and unlucky for Usman Khawaja. But as he said there, it's a team game. You've got to give yourself as much time as possible uh, to win the game. And circumstances uh, just conspired against him. So six of the last nine tests at the SCG have ended up draws, which sort of goes against the grain of, of what we're seeing in other test venues around Australia. A combination of probably the wicket at times uh, and also the weather. So, um Good series for Australia. Not so good uh, for South Africa, of course. They were really disappointing. You know, their bowling attack at times looked pretty menacing, but their batting just did not live up uh, 
to any sort of expectations. It was always concerns about their batting going into the series, but it was probably worse than everyone thought. I guess the hope to make some runs uh, was their captain, uh, Dean Elgar, who just had a nightmare tour with the bat. His captaincy came under some scathing uh, criticism. So he had to face the media one more time uh, yesterday, of course, as the series uh, wrapped up. And uh, first of all, he just discusses here about how he feels uh, after the series. Uh, hurts, embarrassed, yeah. I'd say I'd say they work hand in hand at the moment. Um, maybe a little bit less now. Uh, maybe after the, the second game, the, that those two words would have been a lot stronger. Um, I think now, after after showing a hell of a lot of fight and and some really positive signs in in this game, um, it's sitting a lot better with me. Uh, maybe I've had a week to get over the. The, the hurt and embarrassment, and, and maybe that's why it's a little bit easier to speak about now. Um, yeah, I think you just have to be you have to be honest. I guess emotion is also part of our uh, DNA. We're also human beings, and we're allowed to show that. And uh, yeah, I mean, we we're an immensely proud nation, and we play to win. And I mean, obviously, when things don't go your way, um, those those kind of things do flow through your your veins. He wants to continue on as captain, uh, Dean Elgar, but he's had a really tough time of it since taking over the captaincy in terms of his batting. Uh, So he took over in mid-2001. He hasn't scored 100 in that time, averages 28, with no scores over 36 in his last 10 innings. But he wants to captain. He needs some time off, he said. Uh, But he's committed to leading South Africa in their final assignments of this World Test Championships, which is a two-match series against the West Indies in February and March averaged just nine with the bat uh, here in Australia. And the, the Aussies worked him out. And once again, in his uh, last innings in the country, he was caught down the leg side. He was asked about that after the match yesterday as well. I'll accept maybe once, maybe twice, but the third time is, is something that highly irritates me. Um, it's obviously yeah, something different. <laughs> I mean, generally you have a... You have a way of going out, and that's what bowlers target at. But yeah, this is obviously something new. And ten years into a test career, it's it's obviously foreign territory for me. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's something to potentially reflect on. Um, you could either say it's shit luck or not. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have an open mind around it and and have a look. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's just a bit frustrating that I could never get going throughout the series and. When I did get going, I managed to run myself out, which is also a massive no-no in, in test cricket. So, uh, yeah, all around, it's extremely frustrating and actually bat, been batting well up until uh, every game. The build-up's been good. There's been times where I've batted worse and I've actually got the performances, which is the ironic thing about the, about this game. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a bit frustrating and a bit irritating at the moment um, because prior to coming into the series, I was in some really good form. Um, so, yeah, I don't put it down to a form thing. I think it's other aspects which um, you guys don't have to know about. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, just the irritating phase. Let's put it that way. Something new as well. <laughs> Yeah, tough tour for Dean Elgar. It's not easy captaining against Australia in Australia. If you go back 12 months, uh, Joe Root had an absolute nightmare of a time as well. Uh, plenty more coming through on the 40 Wings temper, 0433-981116. Give us a call at any time, one 736 736 Jared Waitley, not too far away to wrap up the Australian Test Summer and look ahead to India and also England uh, later in the year off the 40 Wings temper.
temper a mattress like no other. India will smash Australia. The Australian team just pumped up their averages against rubbish opposition like most of the recent seasons. Garbage summer of cricket, says one. Uh, one here saying, we'll watch the test. Uh, Kyrgios, boring, couldn't pay me to watch that, says Ben from Bacchus Marsh. Shorty from Geelong, player of the series, had to be head or Cummins. Four innings for Warner, three failures. Head made three important contributions at a run of ball, while Cummins' figures speak for themselves. Uh, and Jack from Turnside Park, g'day, Jules, the missus, and I are smashing out the first series of the test to get the juices flowing for the second series this week. Absolutely brilliant viewing. As for David Warner, man of the series... I'm honestly dumbfounded, but I can tell you one thing. Stuart Broad will be happy. He's looking like getting on that plane in June, says Jack in Churnside Park. We'll play some audio after the news of Pat Cummins. Uh, one of the narratives around this uh, Australian cricket team, even though they've been winning on the field at, you know, most times, uh, obviously the T20 World Cup was a disappointment. Uh, but in the main, uh, under Pat Cummins' captaincy, Australia's been doing really well. But there is this narrative around the team that they're not that popular. He addressed that. Uh, after the match yesterday as well. But for now, let's get the latest from the newsroom with Anna Paplu. The SEN app, now compatible with Apple Watch. Download today to listen anywhere, anytime. Making SEN news this hour. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese is in Western Australia today. Hi, this is Mitch Stark. Catch every ball of the summer of cricket on SEN. Home of cricket. The Peter Jackson clearance sale is on now. Suits from $399. Mostly sunny across Melbourne today, a top of 27 degrees. The UV index predicted to reach 12 thanks to SunSmart and cloudy tomorrow, a top of 24. And the Big Bash continues tonight with the Hurricanes taking on the Stars live right here on SEN Cricket. Thank you, Anna. Big L's not happy off the uh, 40 wings temper. Give me a break. Assessing Agar on one match on a pitch, which you just said is not a pitch for getting results, is folly. What's more, he was hardly given the ball. Cheers, Big L. In brackets, I like this, though. Sent with gentle effect. That's all right, Al. No, don't take it personally. Uh, we'll speak to Jared about that in a, in a, in a second. And uh, just what it all means for that first test over in Nugpur. Mitch Stark's not going to play is Cam Green going to play? I don't think he's a certainty to play, which would be a massive blow. I think we saw uh, in this test match, particularly with the ball, how valuable uh, an asset uh, he was. So before the news there, we mentioned Pat Cummins and this narrative around the Australian test cricket team that they're not that popular, despite their results on the field being uh, very good. And we spoke about this about three or four weeks ago. A study was done where it, on Pat Cummins himself, the feedback came back that the younger generation really like Pat Cummins, but some of the older generation aren't a big fan, and maybe that's the fact that he, he speaks out on some issues other than cricket, and also the fact that a lot of people, you know, believe his he's lack of support for Justin Langer might have cost uh, Justin Langer or, or played a role in Justin Langer uh, losing his job. But he was asked yesterday when he fronted the media just about this narrative around the Australian cricket team not being that popular. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it's probably beat up. Um, you know, the start of the summer, there's no real cricket to talk about so that became the kind of narrative I think um, yeah, I've been really proud with the group there's been probably two or three instances over the last 12 to 18 months where um, yeah there's been a bit of heat top kind of fight at the team but um, just the guys ability to just get on with it just crack on with the job um, keep saying you know they're doing a fantastic job the staff and players in our team um, and just the, yeah having a lot of fun it's a really good environment at the moment so just everyone's ability to kind of park that 
conjecture to the side and just get on with what we're doing has been great. Um, and yeah, I think you know every venue we've gone to, the crowds have been fantastic. Even here in Sydney, the rainy days, there's been 20 or thousand people come here for a beer, hoping to see some cricket. So um, yeah, I think there was obviously a few articles at the start of the summer, but our lived experience this summer has been a long way off that. Yeah, I don't get it. I think he's fantastic, uh, Pat Cummins. I, I don't get the criticisms that uh, come his way. What a challenge for the team and his captaincy this year. You know, World Test Championship final, that's almost a certainty that Australia uh, will take part. So obviously that's a, a, a newish competition, one that Australia has never won before. And then going to India, where we haven't won since 2004. England, where we haven't won since 2001. So what a chance uh, to set up the legacy of his captaincy and also this team uh, this year. So it's a, it's a big challenge uh, for Pat Cummins and the team starting with India. Let's get another break away. And afterwards, we'll talk to Jared Waitley about that. What he takes out of this test summer, what he takes out of this test because all the talk going into the test, this is a little bit of a, a pre-cursor uh, to India with, you know, Renshaw back in the team. Hardly got a chance to bat. Agar coming in as the second spinner. So what did we learn about that? And also what are, are our chances uh, in India? We'll do that with Jared Waitley after the break for, on mornings for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel. It's in stock now. From January 15, nightly lane closures will be in place from Sunday to Thursday at the intersection of City Road and Power Street in Southbank. Visit the Vic Roads website. It's Ben Reid. Have you tried to sell your home before Christmas, but it turned into a complete disaster? It's easy to blame the market, but it might be the quality of the advice you've been given. Ian Reid Vendor Advocates can help you get your property sold. We have experienced advocates working over the holiday period. So call 9430 0000 or download our free booklet, Facial Real Estate Traps Exposed, at ianreid.com.au. Ian Reid Vendor Advocates. Go on, ring us. The SEN app is now compatible with Apple Watch, so you can listen on the go, anywhere, anytime. Download it today. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech drive the Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. Mornings on SEN. Welcome back to the show. Well, in at the end of the day, it was only Sydney's fickle weather that cost Australia a clean sweep of the Test summer. 2-0 win over the West Indies. Uh, in the end, it was 2-0 Against South Africa, uh, predictable results. Uh, but what does it all mean heading in uh, to a huge year of Test cricket for Australia, starting in India next month and then, of course, mid-year, one of the more highly anticipated uh, Ashes series for quite some time, given what England have done since they were last here, thrashed. Uh, but they've changed their coach with Brendan McCullum. They've changed their captain now with Ben Stokes taking over from Joe Root. And they've taken all before them. Well, Jared Waitley literally saw every ball of the Australian Test summer, and he joins us this morning. Jared, I'd imagine that was a pretty frustrating test uh, to commentate on, given the fickle weather in Sydney. Yes, 170 overs lost. So basically we played three days in, in total, and Australia would have been in the commanding position after three days cricket to be where they were, but uh, they were on the clock, really, with the rain that fell. So it, it is, it's an incredibly frustrating test uh, a bit too often, and it has a, a much higher uh, draw occurrence than anywhere else in the country. And really, the evolution of cricket is away from draws, but Sydney keeps having them on the basis of its weather. Uh, and there's a really interesting phenomenon, Jules, if, 
If you, as a Melbournean, dare point out that it's raining in Sydney, you become public enemy number one. But <laughs> I sat there and watched it rain, uh, and it just happens too often. Is there any discussion to have about the date of this test match then? No, there, there's there's absolutely no willingness to do that. I suspect there is, is if the, the showpiece of Sydney's cricket keeps getting so affected, uh, then at some point you probably would front up to that and go, actually, is there a better scenario? But I get that it's such an occasion, just like Melbourne has the Boxing Day test, Sydney has the New Year's test, but it has through the years started on different dates, January 1, January 2, mm-hmm. January 3, and now January 4. I suspect climactically it's actually better placed in December, but no, that's that's it's not happening. That the really the even though Cricket Australia's head office is in Melbourne, the stronghold of cricket is in Sydney. And uh, as I say, if you dare say anything against the SCG test, they line up outside the door to greet you when you walk out. So leading into this test match, a big part of the discussion was you know this is maybe a little bit bit of a snapshot into India, maybe, you know, with Renshaw coming into the team, Ashton Agar coming into the team. So given all that and given there wasn't that much cricket, what did we learn out of this test match about what might happen in India, either around selection or, you know, what we can do on a pitch that's turning a little bit, even though it didn't seem like it turned that much at all? Not nearly enough, I think, is the answer. There would have been a a sense of frustration that I think the sentiment to to have some sort of rehearsal for Sydney was for India was spot on. Uh, you don't waste a circumstance like Australia was presented with, but they never got to answer any of those questions. And I actually think some of it, some of the thinking will be muddied. Um, Ashton Agar didn't bowl in the manner in his return to Test cricket that would have him ready to go for the first Test in India. So I suspect in their private planning and on their whiteboard, it was going to be Lyon and Agar and Nagpur. But now that they've seen it, is Agar's red ball bowling doesn't look ready mm. for that challenge. Um, so there's no question that he'll go on the tour, and Pat Cummins rallied around that last night, and I totally understand that. But I don't know whether that performance actually has him in that first test. And I think that's what they were looking for. I think they were looking for reassurance. Um, and maybe Agar was as well. We spoke to him on maybe it was morning two, and I think Barat asked him where his red ball bowling was, and he didn't know because he's done so little yeah. of it. He's always travelling with the white ball team, so he doesn't get to play shield cricket. And it was 2017 since he'd played a test match. He didn't bowl with the, with the consistency, but all the threat that test cricket demands. Um they weren't the right circumstances for it. It would have been interesting to see on day four or day five on a wearing pitch. But on that evidence, I don't think he would play at Nagpur. So the second spinner question is unanswered. And I think what we do know is Australia's lineup makes so much sense when Cameron yep. Green is there. And it is really out of balance when he's not there. So I think we've known for a couple of summers what a valuable player he is, and he's done his apprenticeship in Test cricket in front of our eyes. But his absence was gaping. And now that we know that Stark's not playing that first Test, and I'm not sure whether Green is either, having listened to him on SEN in Perth during the week. So um, I think there there are more questions now than it felt like there were a week ago. I think the intention was the precise opposite. It was to to have a really stable game plan, but uh, a bit of it's in the wind, I think. So Agar and Lyon will go to India. Which other spinners do you think are right in contention? If you had to pick the next one, who would it be? 
I think Swepson and Murphy will both go. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a growing view within Australian cricket that Todd Murphy's the second best spinner. He bowls the same as Nathan Lyon. So I don't think they want a two-prong attack, which is Lyon and Murphy. But if they didn't end up with three spinners, I think they would gladly play both of those. Swepson's had test cricket in Pakistan and in Sri Lanka. Uh, he I don't know whether the pitches didn't suit him or whether that part of the world didn't suit him. He, he was the incumbent, so he was stepped over uh, for Sydney. I, I imagine he goes. So I feel like they'll take those four spinners and the only other addition would be Kuhneman, I imagine. But um, I could see in certain circumstances uh, definitely three and maybe even all four of the others playing a test match. You know the voice is Jared Waitley. We're wrapping up the Australian Test Summer and looking forward to a huge year for the Australians in India and in England. Just uh, from this series, was Dave Warner really the player of the series? No, it's one of the more perplexing things. I actually think this is Robert Klomp territory. Um, (laughs) I I think it's the biggest blue of an award since (laughs) Robert Klomp. Um, He got the player of the match in Melbourne for his double century there. That, that's sort of where it ends. You don't get the player of the series for failing in the other two test matches. I, I, I nearly fell off my chair when it happened. So um, Travis Head certainly was ahead of him from a batting perspective because he performed in all tests. Steve Smith's numbers were better. I don't know why we're so prejudiced against bowlers. Is Pat Cummins' yeah. 12 wickets at 16? That was enough for me. He, he was the player of the series in my eyes, but yeah, how for, for one innings in one test match across a three-test series you could end up as the man of the series. I think even Warner was left scratching. He said when he answered the first question, he sort of said, I, I answered all of that in Melbourne. You did. And that's where you got your award from. So <laughs> that was a total howler. Um, and I don't really understand how it would have happened. Yeah, well, he didn't get a little colour TV like Robert Klomp. That might have been the uh, <laughs> that might have been the only difference. So Usman Khawaja was on with Simon O'Donnell and Sam Edmund on breakfast this morning, saying he really thinks Australia's in their best position for a while to win a Test series in India. Do you think that's the case, or given Stark uh, Green fitness concerns, Stark out of the first Test, we don't know who the second spinner is. Do you think we are in a really good position to challenge India in India? I think we were in a really good position. Mm. I felt like at the end of Melbourne, and I'm, I'm sure I said this, is I don't think there'd been a team better prepared for the challenge of India in 20 years. But it's it's sort of the timing of the, the mishaps and the open questions. Ideally, going to India, you would want to be fully fit. So Australia's not going to be that. And the best exponent of reverse swing is Mitch Stark. So he's not going to be there. And you would like to have the second spinner question answered Last time they went, they knew they were playing Stephen O'Keefe and he bowled them to victory in Pune in the first test. So they had that in order when they went last time. I think the batting is in great shape. I think the pace bowling broadly is in great shape. Yep. Um, I think Nathan Lyon is is in terrific form for it. So most aspects, I think, are very much in place. I do think it's Australia's best chance probably since last they won in India, and I really like this team. I think this is a brilliant team. I just think a few things have conspired against them right at the start of the tour. And if you if you are able to tell me that Green's not there as well as Stark's not there, then I think we're a long way behind the eight ball for the first test, knowing that they will both be back 
really for the second test. So, but you 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 don't want to chase the series in India. So part of me thinks yes, and part of me is just. You know, it's just unfortunate that they, these issues have arisen right at the time where they're about to go. It's a really tough thing to predict because things can change, form and injuries. But just as we sort of embark on this amazing two series uh, coming up in India and in England, I mean, we'd love to win both and that would seal this team's, I guess, legacy if they could win both of those series. Given We haven't won an Ashes since 2001 in England and 2004 in India. What's realistic for those two series, do you think? And then you can throw in the World Test Championship, which yep. I know that's not locked in, but it really does seem like it will happen. So, look, if they won one of those series and won the World Test Championship, I think that's one of the great achievements by an Australian cricket team. If they happen to sweep, then they will immediately be hailed into the upper echelon. If they achieve one of the three, then that will be worthy of salute. And if they miss the lot, then they'll be disappointed. Um so it's all to play. There's never really been a calendar year like it for an Australian cricket team and that it's all test cricket. And then there's a 50-over World Cup. But I, I, you put that to the side. It's usually if you get two major events, one's white ball and one's red ball. But this all happens in the same calendar year. It has the potential absolutely to define the Pat Cummins years. And they sort of are right at the start of those years anyway. So huge opportunity for them. I really like this team. I would love them to, to be able to to pick off two of those three and um, and be hailed in the in the company that I think they're worthy of. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic year. It's probably exactly what Test Cricket needs, uh, the, the best countries playing each other uh, this year. Jared, well done on the Test Summer for you and all the team. It was fantastic stuff, and we cannot wait for this series in India to get underway. Thanks again for your time this morning. Jules, terrific. There's been so much to talk about, and I know the cricket hasn't been as competitive as uh, as everybody would have liked, but there's been so many excellent deeds by this Australian team day on day on day that uh, it, it did feel worthwhile. Great to have Jared Waitley on the show, and as he said, uh, it wasn't the greatest cricket of all time, but it certainly sets up a fantastic uh, year for the Australian cricket team. We all can't wait for those two big series and possibly a World Test Championship and a 50-over World Cup as well. Richard from Coogee, hang on. We'll get to you on the other side of the break. This is Mornings for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel. It's in stock now. Red Energy is 100% Australian owned by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Sports Day. Glenn, the big news today, the Big Bash. It's going to be chopped down to 43 games. The UV index predicted to reach 12 thanks to SunSmart and Cloudy tomorrow atop of 24. And the Big Bash continues tonight with the Hurricanes taking on the Stars live right here on SEN Cricket. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech drive the Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. Mornings on SEN. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. Julian DeStoop with you on a cracking Melbourne day. I hope you're out there enjoying the sunshine. If you're back to work today, I hope it wasn't uh, too painful. There's a lot more in the office around SEN today, I must admit, than... uh, we're on d- deck last week. Kane Pittman from ESPN is just about to join us to talk all things basketball. Before that, we're getting a, a lot of text through about this uh, issue with David Warner getting player of the series. People want to know, you know who votes. There's been suggestions off the 40 Wings temper. It's a Fox cricket decision. Others 
just not sure how it plays out. So this is this is what happened. Uh, this was in the Daily uh, Telegraph. So for this series, Dave Warner, Travis Head and Usman Khawaja were locked in a three-way tie for player of the series following a rigid Brownlow slash Deli M medal style 3-2-1 voting system. So all the broadcasters, Fox Sports, Channel 7, SEN, ABC Radio and Triple M, were asked to provide a 3-2-1 vote per organisation on the three individual test matches, which then added up to determine the player of the series. Steve Smith and Pat Cummins had consistent series, but under the 3-2-1 system, they couldn't get a look in because of the unanimous three-point votes to Warner, Head and Kawaja compiled respectively in each of the three tests. Ultimately, the tiebreaker to reward Warner with the award over Head and Kawaja was based on his Man of the Match award from the MCG, being deemed the best individual man of the match performance for the series, so that that's how it all worked. Whether you agree with it or not, that that's the system. All the broadcasters vote tiebreaker. In the end, it was deemed that the best individual man of the match performance for the series was Dave Warner's two hundred at the MCG. So that's why Dave Warner was named player of the series. Okay, let's let's shift our attention to some basketball. Uh, let's have a coffee catch up with Kane Pittman from ESPN. Uh, Australia and also New Zealand uh, need a little afternoon treat. Head to drive through for the deluxe iced coffee range from McCafe. Before we throw to Kane, it's been a tough little stretch for the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. They've lost four games in a row and they lost Mitch Creek on the weekend uh, to an eye injury. Got a poke in the eye, was off to hospital after the game with Cairns. Fair to say after the match, uh, Simon Mitchell wasn't overly pleased with the treatment Mitch Creek received. I think he might be going to hospital on a no-call. I think he might be going to hospital. He can't see out of the eye, so I think they're going to have to take him to hospital. Um, that's what I've just heard on, on the way up here. So, again, it was a no-call. Um, we saw him get cannoned through last game with a no-call. Um, he's a premier player in this league, and he needs to be looked after. Not in the sense that he's looked after and give him everything silver service, but you can't be having guys losing vision on during the course of games and there'd not be a whistle. So, really disappointed. So, not happy, Simon Mitchell, as I welcome in Kane. Uh, Kane, welcome. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you, and uh, you're right. Simon Mitchell has been... I would say the, the frustration has been building over the last few weeks of now lost four games in a row. Injuries uh, left, right and centre. But uh, it's always interesting the press conferences, Simon. So do we have any update on how Mitch Creek is going? And does he have a point? We've seen a, a couple of coaches now in the last couple of weeks. The Cairns coach uh, wasn't happy with the treatment of uh, a Pinder, and now we see Simon Mitchell with Mitch Creek. Has he got a point in terms of the some of the... I guess, the physical treatment that Mitch Creek is receiving? Uh, I don't think so with this incident. And Mitch did post something on social media last night and he had the old uh, pirate patch over the eye, but he had a smile on his face. Luckily for the Phoenix, they don't play until next Monday, the 16th of January. So maybe uh, that gives them some time to get him back. But I watched this incident a few times and perhaps the camera angle wasn't the best, but it didn't look to me in real time or on replay that it was an obvious uh, whack to the face or rake of the eye. Clearly, it's a pretty serious injury, but out of all the, the incidents that, that you could complain about, and I completely get why Simon Mitchell brought this up because of the injury that's occurred, but I didn't, I didn't see anything crazy here that this was a, a an obvious missed call because in real time, it was impossible to know what actually happened to Mitch. You had to go back and watch it a few times. It's a really interesting time of the season, uh, particularly for a few teams uh, due to the tennis, really. We know that uh, United and uh, Phoenix have to get on the road. We've seen it with the Wildcats as well, with the United Cup being played uh, over in Perth. There on the road, John really has spoken about you know how tired they are and how that might have uh, played a hand in some of their results. United's going pretty well 
And uh, it's got really tight for that fourth position uh, in the playoffs uh, with their win uh, over the Jack Jumpers. It is it's, it's a it is a tough time of the season for some teams, and um, I guess for the likes of United and Wildcats, they're just and Phoenix, they've just got to try and hang in there at this time of the year. Yeah, it's crazy. I just got a text message from a, an owner of one of the teams that just said this next three weeks is about is going to be about as wild as we've ever seen in the NBL. So if you haven't been watching, now is the time to come in. So we're going to play in tournament this year with six teams. Uh, and as you pointed to, Jules, from four through to eight in the standings, there is only two games in the loss column separating these teams. So you've got Tasmania, Adelaide, the two Melbourne teams, and Perth. Two of those teams are going to miss out. And historically, this is not how it plays out. When the league introduced the playing tournament to have six teams in a 10-team league make the postseason. I looked at it and thought, geez, that's interesting to have so many teams in there. And historically, after sixth on the standings, there is a big drop-off in teams. It is never normally like this. This is a, a strange season, uh, incredibly even. And, uh, yeah, there's going to be two pretty good teams that are going to miss out on the postseason. And that's why the urgency is high for the Phoenix. They have a longer injury list than any of these teams. They were in excellent position. Uh, now they find themselves in real danger. And uh, to rub salt into the wound, as you pointed to, Melbourne United are coming with a rush after finally getting healthy themselves. So I can't predict which two teams are going to miss out. But uh, with all the things you mentioned, including the Australian Open taking away John Kane Arena, New Zealand having COVID uh, stuff last month, and now they have to play 11 games in January themselves, uh, it is going to be a wild ride. Yeah, it is an amazing table. And as you say, the Breakers have played 19 games. And then there's other teams like United that have played, and Phoenix that have played 23. So uh, there is some matches uh, to make up. Just, I mean, we've talked about this NBL season that it is wildly unpredictable. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's tough to tip winners. But it still appears at this stage of the season, the Kings are the outstanding team. How big is the gap between the Kings and the rest, do you think? It's pretty big. Uh, I think the breakers are right there. Again, it's going to be a little bit difficult to to tell how they respond through this heavy, heavy January schedule that they've got. But uh, the Kings and the breakers, there is a gap to the rest of the league. There's no doubt. But I think the Kings are head and and shoulders above the rest. And if you pointed to anything that the Kings were struggling with this season, it's been offense. Uh, And they were still pretty good. But over this last three or four game stretch, they've gone absolutely nuts. And now they're now uh, back up in the top three offensively in the league. They have the best defense in the league, and they've only lost five games all season, and they haven't been blown out. I think the biggest loss out of those five games uh, was an eight-point loss. So they just don't get blown out. They're difficult to beat, uh, and defense wins championships in the NBL, and they've got the best uh, lineup in the league. As you mentioned, we're talking to Kane Pittman from ESPN Australia. As you mentioned, the top eight teams, it's it's pretty tight. The Kings have got 15 wins, and you go down to, to eighth position. United have got 11, but there's two teams that are cast adrift at the bottom. We know the Hawks are struggling, two wins. What is going on in Brisbane? There has been so much angst at that club, changes in coaching. I mean, how's it all gone so wrong for the Bullets when a lot of people pre-season thought they could be a title contender? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, going back right to the start of the season when James Duncan was head coach originally of this team, one of three coaches they've had this season, I, I thought it was to be expected that they were going to start slow. They played five of their first six games on the road. And additionally, they had Aaron Baines coming back after a, a lengthy injury absence, as uh, most people would be aware of. Tyler Johnson, their star import guard, used to be in the NBA. He hadn't played uh, any basketball really in the 18 months. And then Nathan Sobey was trying to come back uh, from long-term knee stuff. So their three best players 
were heavily impacted by injury and underdone coming into the season. So you expected that there was going to be a slow start. But that's where the frustration built up. They uh, parted ways with James Duncan, the head coach. They brought in Sam McKinnon, who was the GM. He only lasted two or three weeks. And then there was uh, some inner turmoil with the club. And now they went to their third coach. And the players aren't happy. Uh, there has been unrest right throughout that club. And, and you see it in some of the performances. I mean, uh, you watch the board some games, and they look like they flat out don't care uh, about uh, trying to win games or trying to be competitive. So it is a real shame because they did build this up in the preseason as a as a chance for this club to return to the postseason for the first time in many years. Yeah, it's been an absolute shocker for the Brisbane Bullets. I'll tell you who's not having a shocker. That's Josh Giddy right now. Five of his last seven games, 20 points are over. And just to explain, in his uh, sort of draft year, one of the knocks on Josh Giddy was his three-point shooting. But uh, he's been working on it, and it seems to be worked really well. Yeah, he's in a really uh, nice vein of shooting form at the moment. As you pointed to, uh, uh, the scoring binge over the last few games has been great. But this actually followed on from the entire month of December, where it was his most efficient scoring month of his NBA career. Now, he's only in, in year two, but he averaged 16 points per game. But he was scoring more efficiently at the basket than he ever has before. He was shooting better from three than he ever has uh, before as well. And he's carried that through to January where he's actually up at 50% from three, which is yeah, perhaps not sustainable, but he is he is red hot right now. And the Thunder are an interesting team, super young, but they're only a game and a half out of a playing spot right now. And we've still got half an NBA season to go. So Giddy, if you thought that the, the rookie season was uh, above expectations, I think that would be certainly fair enough. But he's gone to a new level. And it's interesting because it doesn't seem like he gets the same level uh, of attention that he did as a rookie, which we get. And there's Dyson Daniels doing great things, Josh Green doing great things in the NBA. But Giddy has quietly, uh, definitely taken another step or two uh, in year two with the Thunder. So it's, it's an article I read on Fox Sports, he's been working with renowned shooting coach Chip Engeland. Can you tell us a little bit, Chip, and what other players he's worked with? Yeah, spent a, a long time in the NBA. He's worked with some of the some of the great shooters across the league. And really, he was a guy that uh, many teams have been trying to, to get a hold of uh, to get, uh, for this reason, for their young uh, shooters to, to uh, improve and, and take great strides. And he's been in the NBA. I mean, he, he is 61 years old now, and they still say that he is a, a shooting wizard. He spent 17 years with the San Antonio Spurs organization working with Greg Popovich and all those great shooters that the Spurs have had over the years. And the Thunder were able to prize him away from the Spurs, which is remarkable in itself because most people figured that he would just stay with Greg Popovich and the Spurs for a long, long time. But uh, it clearly, it's working for Giddy so far. And uh, the shot doctor is uh, getting the job done with Josh. Yeah, it's great to see. Uh, just on the NBA at the moment, there's been some bizarre results in the last week or so. You know, the Celtics getting thrashed. Uh, by the Thunder, we saw the Bucks get, uh, you know, thrashed by the Hornets. Um, it's there's some wildly sort of unpredictable results going on at the moment. Who who is the best team right now? And I think probably the last time we spoke, uh, the Nets were in turmoil, and all of a sudden they look like a, a serious championship contender. Yeah, I mean, there's a few reasons for why the results are so wild. I mean, firstly, teams' ability to shoot the ball from the outside and offensively get hot means that any team can win on any given night. And as you pointed to, the Thunder, not only did they put 150 up on the Celtics, they had 122 points 
through three quarters against uh, the team with the best record in the NBA. So the offense is one part of it. And the other part of it is just straight up availability. There's guys that will take nights off if there's any type of niggle or injury. They won't play back-to-back. So availability is, is a big cause for that as well. The Nets are interesting because I always thought they were a wild card in the East because of the talent that they have, because of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But the thing is that most people are like, well, are they ever going to get it together? Are they going to be able to hold steady throughout the entire NBA season and get to the postseason? Now, they're doing it right now. I was listening to a, a, an ESPN podcast with uh, Nick Friedel, who, was, who covers the team, and he was talking about the Nets the other night. And he said, look, there are still very nervous people with every press conference, with every media availability, that something is going to go wrong for this team. But if they stay healthy, if they stay focused, uh, the Nets are, uh, without doubt, a, a championship threat with Boston uh, in, in the Eastern Conference. And just looking at the best players in the NBA at the moment, I mean, LeBron James is playing some decent basketball, even though he's <laughs> recently turned 38. Who knows where LeBron uh, will be uh, next season. But the best three players in the NBA not right now, you would argue, are European. Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, of those three, do you have one as sort of favourite for the MVP? And just, is this a sign of things to come, just with the quality of player coming over from Europe and, and having a real mark on the NBA? Yeah, it's really interesting because if you go back over the last four years, Giannis won two MVPs, so he went back-to-back, and then uh, Nikola Jokic followed it up with back-to-back MVPs of his own. So the last four years, the MVP has gone to uh, these European players that you speak of, and I think Luka Doncic is probably the favourite to win it this year. It's uh, very, very difficult to win an MVP three years in a row. And a big reason for that is that the award is actually voted on by 100 media members will put in their votes uh, for the MVP. And typically, if you haven't won a title, people start to to hold that against you, even though it's a regular season award. So Giannis won two. He actually, his postseason was better than the previous two, but he'd he'd failed in the postseason. So he didn't win the MVP. Then Jokic went through and won his two. Uh, Doncic is the new face. And he's putting up... 45, 50-point, 60-point nights as well. So, yeah, I think it is a nod to the the rising powers in, in Europe and international basketball, but also within the NBA. So, yeah, if I had to uh, take a pick right now, I think Luka Doncic is looking like the guy that uh, maybe will win his first MVP. Just before I let you go, we talk, you talked about the scoring before, and you, know, and you just said there, some of the numbers that uh, individuals are putting up and teams are putting up are, are off the charts, really. I heard Greg Popovich talking about it the other day. If... Is this is this going to be the new norm, or do you or do you see a time we see like in AFL football there's shifts and and things change? Can you see it scaling back a little bit and defenses start to bridge the gap a little bit, or or with the quality of three point shooters out there now, is this just the way it's going to be that that, that, that it's going to be pretty much high scoring games every time you switch on an NBA game? I think so. I think this is the way it's going to be. This was last Wednesday. I looked this up, but. Uh, so a few days ago now, but there was 87 40-point games this season already. I think there was only 117 last season, and we're only halfway through. So it's absolutely absurd. And you're exactly right, Jules, when you talk about the three-point shooting. But it's not just the fact that they're shooting threes. They're shooting them from further and further and further <laughs> out as well. So it's actually impossible to defend because you talk about having space on the basketball floor. It seems to happen to defend all the way to the half-court line just about 
at the moment, which just creates so much space. The athletes are better. They're stronger. They're more powerful than they've ever been as well. So I, I don't know how it turns around, to be honest. I, I think this is this is what we're looking at now for NBA basketball. Yeah, it's certainly exciting to watch. And uh, as we said, off the top, uh, plenty going on in the NBL. United making a charge. Phoenix uh, just hit the skids uh, at the moment. Uh, Kane, as always, thanks so much for your time. Cheers, Jules. Always a great to have a coffee catch-up with Kane Pittman from ESPN. Need a little afternoon treat. Head to drive through for the deluxe iced coffee range from McCafe. Let's get a break away. Let's talk a bit of tennis after the break and also a little bit more. We'll play the audio from Pat Cummins and also Steve Smith on the DRS. Uh, you can give us a call at any time, one 736 736 Send through a 40-wings temper text, 04-33-98-1116. This is mornings for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel. It's in stock now. In 2022, the driver's seat had all the big names, like Scott McLaughlin. I mean, of all the things that you've won, find it at 15.93 a.m. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech driver Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. Mornings on SEM. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we spoke just before 10 o'clock. Uh, we had a call uh, talking about uh, the DRS. And it wasn't only the call I wanted to talk about the Nathan uh, Lyon LBW. And quite rightly, uh, it's been pointed out that it, even if it did get it, if it was um, it was the umpire's call. So even if it went, uh, he would have been, um, it would have stuck with the umpire's call, not overturned, as I suggested. And um also, the talk about, uh, you know, the ball pitching outside the line. So, Millsy and Geelong quite rightly points out the ball can pitch outside off stump. The reason Lions LBW was given out was because it hit the batsman outside the line of the stumps, uh, which it did. So, that was one DRS uh, incident uh, out of this test match. Uh, but there was a couple of, uh, well, there was three very interesting uh, catches. Uh, one saw Marnus uh, Labish, it was involved Marnus Labashane. Uh, in the first innings. And then uh, Steve Smith had a couple. Uh, one yesterday off Nathan Lyon that uh, was probably the most uh, controversial. After the match, uh, Steve Smith and Pat Cummins uh, spoke about those incidents. Uh, yesterday I was probably a little bit more uncertain than today. Um, I was pretty certain I got underneath the one today. Um, yesterday, because my wrist was kind of flexed, I, I think I may have slid a little along the grass potentially, but... Today I was pretty sure I got underneath it. I think he's caught that. So do I. But they caught it easily. I think those ones that are close to the turf always don't look great. Um, but today I could feel, I felt the slap on my fingers and I knew I knew I was under the ball. But, um, you know, that happens. The umpire's there to make a decision. They made the decision, so we move on. Um, our two were out there as well, wasn't you know, I kind of feel for the umpires a little bit in that situation. Um, yeah, I don't really know the answers, but yeah, there, there has to be a way to try and improve it somehow. Um, I think as it currently stands, it's really hard to give a batter out. You know, if there's any kind of benefit of the out, it goes the batter's way. Um, I think with, you know, a couple of camera angles really slowed down, it's pretty hard to not find out somewhere. So, you know, I do feel for cats that would be up there. I don't know the answer, but surely there yeah, can be some small changes we can make to try and um, get a bit more definitive answers on that. Yeah, I thought that one with Steve Smith uh, off Nathan Lyon was out. And, uh, look, I don't mind it taking, you know, the caller before suggested it just takes too long, but whether it's, you know, 
uh, going upstairs in the footy to the arc or with uh, soccer and VAR or DRS with cricket, I don't think it really matters how long it takes as long as the right decision uh, is reached. The counter-argument is, as the caller made the point, I think the longer you can look at something, you can think you might have seen something. So sometimes you can look at something too long. But I thought Steve Smith... Uh, did catch that one. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, Pat Cummins says at the end there, there's got to be something else we can do. I'm not sure what else we can do. I mean, there, there was a lot of pretty good angles of that one. I don't think there's any any other angle that could have been found um, to decide whether that was out or not. But the timing for me is not not a big issue. Just get the decision uh, right, even though on that one, I, I'm not sure they did uh, get that one right. Plenty more coming up on the McCafe menu. Benny Graham will join us uh, very shortly. A final week of the NFL Regular season, there's been plenty going on as we look ahead to the playoffs and the wildcard weekend uh, coming up and plenty going on in the A-League and uh, particularly uh, in the FA Cup on the weekend. There were some big, big uh, upsets uh, in the FA Cup third round. So Andy Harper from 10 and Paramount Plus uh, will join us to discuss all the things going on in the world game. Uh, But let's get the latest from the newsroom now uh, with Anna Pavlou. The SEN app, now compatible. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech drive the Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. Mornings on SEN. We're underway as New England decided to defer after winning the toss. And here's Hines on the run back, breaking a tackle and taking it past midfield. And down the sideline he goes. This is storybook. An opening kickoff return for Tamar Hamlin. And this place is absolutely going wild. Oh, you just said this is storybook. This is almost fate. I just can't believe what just happened. Josh Allen, the same thing. Six days removed from this incredible can't believe it. Scene that we saw with the Bills player down in Cincinnati, and now... Unbelievable start to the game. So much emotion in the stadium at Buffalo, and they score from the first uh, well, return punt, go down the other end and score through Naeem Hines as the Bills went on to beat uh, the Patriots. Benny Graham joins us for Neds. Whatever you bet on, take it to the Neds level. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Morning, Ben. Oh, morning, Jules. After the week that we've had in the NFL where so much focus is surrounding the recovery of Damar Hamlin, for Naeem Hines to take the opening kickoff back 96 yards for a touchdown was a fitting start to week 18 today. Game for Damar, for the Bills, for the NFL. was There wasn't a dry eye in the house. I got emotional watching it, calling it this morning. It was. They called it. Jim Nance called it a storybook. It's a. It, you couldn't start week 18 any better, given that the week that we've had, and you know our thoughts and prayers are still yep. with Demar. He's sitting up in bed. He watched the game with his family, uh, and his health is first and foremost the most important thing. And he's on the way to recovery. And the way the Bills played, and the Bengals, it must be said, mm. beating the Baltimore Ravens, it certainly. The decisions the NFL had to make during the week, and they were tough ones at that, given that they cancelled that game, have played out. I think everyone would be pleased with the way it's happened. The Chiefs are the number one seed for a reason. The Bills now number two, host a playoff game. The Bengals finish number three. No coin toss. 
and no neutral venues yet. But we'll wait and see what that looks like in the AFC Championship game. But certainly week 18, wow. We've had the AFC playoff picture confirmed. The NFC playoff picture will be confirmed this afternoon once the Packers and Lions game's finished. Uh, so just just going, before I ask you about what still needs to play out and, and, and the playoff picture, I guess... I guess, thankfully, in a way for the NFL, the Bengals did win that game against the Ravens because it, it might have been a very different conversation about, I guess, that decision to cancel the game if the Bengals went down to the Ravens. Well, that, that's right. So the Ravens beat the Bengals early on in the year. So if the Ravens had to beat the Bengals again, they had every right to believe that they should have won the division because they would have finished on the same number of wins. But because the Bengals would have played one less game, their winning percentage would have been better. Mm. So in the case that the Ravens won and they faced each other again in the wild card round, it would be a coin toss to determine who hosts that game. But the fact that the Bengals won and clinched the division on their own, everything else was a moot point. So the Bengals will play the Ravens again next week and they will host the game without a coin toss which it's fascinating to think that that was on the cards in the first place. But the Cincinnati Bengals have, have earned their right. The AFC, the AFC playoff picture is set. We'll quickly run through it. The Chiefs have a bye next week. The Bills host the Dolphins, who beat the Jets because the Patriots got beaten by the Bills. So mm-hmm. it was a scenario where the Patriots had to win and they were in. But the Bills got that job done, so they eliminated the Patriots. Then it was up to the Dolphins. They had to beat the Jets, which they did. God, it was an ugly game, Jules. They mm. uh, they scraped in 11-6. But the Pittsburgh Steelers were the other factor. They had to win and wait for a Patriots and the Dolphins loss. The, pa- the Steelers did their bit. They beat the Browns 28-14 but it's the Dolphins who clinched that seventh seed. So they travel to Buffalo to take on the Bills. The Bengals will take on the Ravens again next week in Cincinnati. And the Chargers are currently trailing the Denver Broncos. I'm not sure why their starters are still in the game because they've essentially locked in the Mm. fifth seed and they will travel to Jacksonville next week to take on the Jaguars who clinched the division with a win over Tennessee yesterday. Yeah, and uh, Titans seven straight losses uh, to miss the playoffs after starting the season so well. So that's the AFC. What do we still need to decide uh, in the NFC? So the NFC, so basically what the NFL have done is they've split up the morning. The AFC playoff picture all was this morning, and the NFC is all playing out right now with the Lions and Packers to come after midday. But to simplify the NFC, The Eagles, after two straight losses, get Jalen Hurts back. If they win this game against the Giants, which they're currently leading early in the last quarter, 19-3, to they clinch the number one spot. And if the 49ers beat the Cardinals, which they will, they're currently leading that at three-quarter time, 38-13, they'll clinch the number two spot, which means the Vikings will finish three and the Buccaneers will finish four. The Giants are already locked in at six. So they will go to Minnesota to take on the Vikings next week. The Cowboys, if the Eagles win, it doesn't matter their result. And they're playing some sloppy football mm. right now against the Commanders, trailing 20-6. to six. But they're locked in, essentially, to the fifth seed. So they'll travel to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers, which leaves the seventh seed. 
So the Packers have got it in their own destiny. If they win, they're in. For the Lions to make it, they've got to beat the Packers and hope that the Rams upset the Seahawks. But if the Seahawks are to make it, they must beat the Rams and then hope the Lions beat the Packers. Now, that Seahawks-Rams game is currently 16-13, Rams leading. So if the Rams go on to win that game, the Seahawks are eliminated. And then it is truly a win and you're in for both the Lions and the Packers, which kicks off at 12.20 this afternoon. Yeah, so much still to play. At the other end of the table, uh, Ben, we're talking to Ben Graham for Neds, all things uh, NFL. We're down to the last week of the regular season action. So the Texans beat the Colts 32-31. But if you're a Texans fan this morning, do you feel like you've won that game or you've lost? (laughs) Well... Jules, I'll I'll put it like this. Two years ago, the New York Jets won a meaningless game late in the season, which cost them the number one pick where Trevor Lawrence was selected by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Two years later, Zach Wilson, the number two pick for the Jets, looks in trouble as the starting quarterback, and Trevor Lawrence takes the Jaguars to the playoffs. But it's a different situation this year with the Texans. So the number one pick now will go to the Chicago Bears, but they've already got Justin Fields who looks like he's going to be their franchise quarterback. So the Bears most likely will not choose a quarterback pick one. So the Texans will still have the opportunity to pick up the best quarterback in the draft. But it was a fascinating scenario because, you know, yes, the fans would have been tearing their hair out for winning that game, but you've got players for the Texans that are playing for their careers. They're not only playing for a spot on the Texans roster, but putting their best play on tape for a resume to the other 31 teams. So they're busting their gut trying to win that game. But the telltale sign to me was that when they, instead of kicking the extra point to go into overtime, they wanted to win it there and then or lose it there and Mm. then based on a point conversion, which they made. They win, they'll get the second pick. But I don't think it'll affect who they pick up in the draft. That is if they want to move on from Davis Mills, which... Look, he's done a reasonable job, but I don't think... They've got so many more issues, the Texans, and just a quarterback. But it'll, I think they'll still have the opportunity to select a quarterback with their first pick, which will be number two. So I guess off the back of what you just said then, I guess the, the well-educated Texans fans wouldn't have been too um, worried about that result then. No, well, not, not necessarily. Now, that's assuming that the Chicago Bears don't draft a quarterback with the first pick mm. overall. and to trade Justin Fields because Justin Fields is as electric he's been shown some great signs running the football they really they've lost 10 games in a row and it's not like they've been in game (laughs) Mm. so maybe the offense the offensive coordinator the game plan doesn't suit Justin Fields and while he's got some currency maybe they do look to move him on but I don't think that this draft is laden with superstar college quarterbacks ready to step up straight into the NFL so if um, I, I'd say that the Chicago Bears, given they traded away a couple of defensive players, they definitely will need to bolster up their wide receiver position. Uh, I think that they'll look away from a quarterback with their first pick overall, which essentially will give the Texans the opportunity to select the best QB in the draft. So it's nearly all decided in terms of the playoff picture and who will be playing in the wild card. So we're going to put it on you, Ben. Who wins it from here now that... Uh most of the teams have been eliminated. Well, 
Uh, I did my pre-season prediction. I went on a limb, out on a limb. I said the Cowboys and the Chargers. Now, they've both made the playoffs in the fifth seed. I've also said, though, I think the Super Bowl champion will come from the AFC side. The Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals, I think, are the best place. Still a few question marks over the Eagles, despite their great record. I think the 49ers, they win this or win 10 straight. They'll be the best team in the NFC. But again, it comes down to matchups. I think the way it'll play out is it'll end up being, um, I think it'll be a, a, well, I think the Chiefs will win it. There you go. Um, I think once it's all said and done, the AFC will go through Kansas City and the Chiefs will get it done in Phoenix on Feb 12. Can't wait, and can't wait for the playoffs. And as it always does as the NFL, it comes down to the last few matches in the final week to decide the playoff spots. As you mentioned before, the Rams are still holding a three-point lead uh, over the Seahawks uh, with just over seven minutes to go uh, in that one. And as you say, the Packers and Lions all to play for in the game that starts around about 20 past 12. Uh, Melbourne time. Uh, Ben, again, thanks for the update and uh, so much great NFL to come. Uh, We'll talk to you again next week. Good on you, Jules. Ben Graham for Neds. Whatever your bet. Whatever you bet on, take it to the Neds level. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's always thrilling stuff uh, in the NFL. Let's get a breakaway for mornings. It's for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel, and it's in stock now. Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro. A lead tonight with the Hurricanes taking on the Stars, live right here on SEN Cricket. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech drive the Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. Mornings on SEN. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome uh, on a beautiful, sunny Melbourne day. Julian DeStoop uh, with you. We're just about to chat to Andy Harper from Channel 10 and Paramount Plus to talk some round ball both here in Australia and overseas. It was the third round of the FA Cup uh, on the weekend. There was some upsets and there was a belting this morning uh, Man City and Chelsea, which has only increased the pressure on Graham Potter, the manager of Chelsea. But uh, just before we throw to Andy, an amazing game between Sydney and Wellington. Wellington won 1-0. That only tells about a quarter of the story. They were down to nine men and then faced two penalties uh, in stoppage time, and this is how it all played out. And it comes towards LaFondra, and Wooten's there again. Love the pain this time. They pointed to the penalty spot, but Evans was adamant. Let's have another look. I don't even think that's come off his back. The penalty, can I tell you, has been upheld. It's oh so controversial. LaFondra against Sale. And Sale makes the save. We're looking at a post-penalty save. Handball. LaFondra again. He's seen one effort saved. Might be the last kick of the game. He's missed it. to the top of the bar. You're joking. I see it, but I do not believe it. And Simon Anthony Hudson will be calling and uh, asking uh, for his line back after that one. But uh, as I welcome Andy Harper, Andy, Happy New Year. That was just a crazy couple of minutes of football. And who would have thought Adam LaFondra, of all people, would miss two penalties in a row. Hey, Jules. Happy New Year. Mate, it was a circus. The end of that <laughs> match... Oh, you there, Andy? We'll try and get Andy uh, back in a second. Just seems to have a problem uh, with his phone line there. So it was just in a... 
An amazing finish to that game. We'll uh, call Andy uh, back uh, in a sec. So the other A-League results are on the weekend. So Sydney... In a bit of a sticky part of form here at uh, Sydney FC. So that they lost 1-0 to Wellington. City beat the Western Sydney Wanderers uh, 4-0. MacArthur 2-0 over the Jets. Central Coast having a great season. Uh, 4-0 over Adelaide United. Perth upset the Wanderers uh, 1-0. And, of course, uh, the victory went down uh, to the Raw 1-0. Uh, Andy, I think, is back with us. We'll have another go there, Andy. Uh, well, uh, should I apologise for the lack of mobile reception around the place in 2023. Oh, well, it's not your doing, in fairness. So I don't think you need to apologise. Oh, I don't know what you, I don't know what we got to, but um, Saturday was remarkable. It was it was a um, a really fun a really fun experience to watch, um, unless unless you're on the receiving end. But it was just a fantastic, really fantastic drama. It was unbelievable drama. Just that first penalty decision. How did that come to be that that was the penalty? Well, Jules, I, I I don't think any of the big calls were right. Um, mm. I don't think the Ryan Grant offside should have been offside. I have a I have a very firm view that that I don't that the technology at the moment uh, is not finite enough mm. to guarantee. If you're going to rule a goal out by a millimetre, you have to be able to guarantee that all the stop points in the freeze frames. A split second perfect. I'm, I'm just not convinced they are. Um, and so when you see an offside like Ryan Grant, and it happens you know, frequently, mm. I just don't have any confidence that the game's lawmakers are providing enough margin for error to, to consider that. So that's the first one. Um, both handballs. Well, the first one, I don't know if... It might be that we, as, as the viewing public, weren't privy to all the angles that the VAR had. I don't know if that's true or not. But clearly they've seen something that the rest of us were struggling to see definitively uh, on that point. If the best we got, if the best there was was what we saw, then was that enough information to overturn the referee's instinct that it was a penalty? Um, I, I, you know, this is, this is the contention of the whole thing. But my beef about the handball rule at the moment is, is the language around it. And I have to give the match officials the benefit of the doubt that they're administering the laws mm. that they've been told to so do. But this language about natural body position is a complete load of hogwash <laughs> because it doesn't take into consideration for one second the laws of biomechanics. So how a player who's mid-air and desperately stretching to block a pass or a shot can at the same time, in the fullness of their own conscious conscience, deny the laws of biomechanics and hold their arms next to their side is completely ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. They need to change the wording around this to something like if the ball strikes the hand um, and say that the, you know, the, the ball's positive progression is, is denied by the hand, I could cope with that. Mm. But this rubbish about natural body position, God almighty, who are these people rewriting Newton's laws of physics? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the biomechanists would be busy if they were called into tribunals like they used to be uh, in the AFL. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, Melbourne, this is a disaster of a season at the moment for the Melbourne victory. They're yeah. losing games. They've got no hardly any fans in there because of the actions of a couple of hundred stupid people. Now they've lost Nani with a serious yeah. knee injury. How does Tony Popovich turn this around for Melbourne victory? Well, 
Jules, I, look, I, I don't believe they're far away. I don't think it's a big corner of the turn. I don't think they're playing badly. The results have been horrible. The circumstances in which the club finds itself are completely unenviable. Um, that's the big issue at the moment. There are two things to this. My view is that well, I admire how 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 um, the, the team and the coach have been continuing to press and persevere. They need a couple of things to go their way, but they're doing so without really knowing what their fate is. Mm. Um, you know that the the outcome of the derby itself is yet to be determined. Whether it's going to be a, a three 0 forfeit or whether the result is whatever all that whatever. Whether there's going to be a points penalty on top of that, all this is hanging over a, a team of players who've just dedicated themselves to a, the longest pre-season in world football um, to get ready for the championship. And the extent to which that's been taken away from them is yet to be ascertained. Now, I don't say that as a criticism of the regulators who are trying to get through this horrible situation as methodically as they can, but, but, but at the other end of it is a squad of players, a coaching staff, and 90% of a fan base or, or larger, which is completely innocent, but they've got this sort of Damocles hanging over them. It, it's just a really, really difficult situation. And the Nani thing on the weekend, I've really enjoyed watching him play. There's been criticism that he hasn't actually, you know, delivered at the moments that make a marquee player. I'm not necessarily in that camp. I think he's done some beautiful things. He, he could have contributed more, of course. What player couldn't have? But, but I think it just sort of it completely sums up where victory are at at the moment. And, and I would like to think that that not having Nani there, this is going to sound really callous and it's not meant to be, but I think Melbourne Victory fans can now expect Jake Bremer, the reigning Johnny yep. Warren medalist, to come from outside of the shadow of Lewis Nani, if, if one was being cast indeed, and get back to where he was last year. I, I mean... You know, having Nani in the team, I think, has been fantastic. But you could mount an argument, Jules, mm. that it's been a little bit destabilising. Josh Berlanti has been not himself and transplanted out to right fullback for the last game. And, you know, all these things um, for, for, for high-quality players who are, who are in their mode of operation can be really destabilising. So whilst I don't wish anything for Nani apart from the best, and I'm, I'm really sorry that he's going through this injury, one that not only this, this season, but it could well be the end of his career, yeah. given his age. A horrible set of circumstances, but maybe there's something that can come, can come out of it for Melbourne victory in the short term. It's been Andy Harper from Channel 10 and Paramount Plus. Just on the first part of your answer there about Melbourne victory and the uncertainty they're, they're living with at the moment, should, should have a decision been made on the Derby result and the points penalty by now? As, as, is there enough well, information out there to make a decision? I don't know, mate. I don't know, and and I, I guess I'm hinting at at my view, which is I think it should have been done by mm. now. But I, I don't prosecute that case with any degree of vehemence because I don't know what's going on in there. Um, I just this is a highly this has been a, a highly traumatic experience for the game and the administrators. Football Australia, although they don't run the league, they're responsible for the regulatory framework of the league. So they have to make sure they do everything right um, in, in a highly volatile, very traumatic and an extremely sensitive situation. Um, and as long as it takes them, I, you, you, I sort of have to temper myself and give them that space. Um, but, but that also obviously runs completely parallel with the need to get a decision. So Melbourne victories 
players, the innocent parties in this, and the fans, uh, the, the, the majority of whom are completely bear no responsibility for, the, for, for that shocking behaviour, are sitting in the guilty dock like everyone. I mean, victory fans get profiled now because of those idiots. Yeah. I'm sure there are people who've, for the short term, put their Melbourne Victory supporter shirts away because they're being profiled as thugs and idiots because of those nutcases. So, I, I, you know, patience has to be the order of the key on the one hand, but let's move um, with cautious haste to get the on-field result and sanctions settled so that the team can start focusing. Uh, life's a lot smoother at Melbourne City. They just keep winning, and uh, Jamie McLaren keeps scoring. When you look around the league at the moment, who do you think's best place to challenge Melbourne City? Because they look clearly the outstanding team at the moment. Oh, they're unmatchable at the moment. Maybe the Mariners uh, are providing a, a, a lot of excitement and a lot of interest. Whether and they played City a couple of weeks ago and, and got beaten, but it was hardly one-way traffic. So the Mariners under Nick Montgomery are the real deal. It's great to say that. Um, two, two to three years. Stagic into Montgomery last year and Montgomery this year again. And I feel like from a, from a league, league-wide viewpoint, we've got our Mariners back. You know, the team that for the first six or seven years of the league were just doing unbelievable things. Uh, and I feel like we've got them back. And I would like to think they can mount a serious challenge to Melbourne City. Uh, the table's not long. I think Brisbane, if they can get a striker... Brisbane are a really difficult outfit to beat, and if they can get an attacking midfielder and a striker, uh, I'm not holding my breath on it, by the way, because I'm not sure if the club operationally is at that sort of level But at this stage. But if they can, uh, they can mount a charge. And, and the Wanderers as well, based on their defence. Um, just Marcelo, their big Brazilian centre-back, I think has been one of the smartest pieces of off-season recruiting in the league. But basically, it's Melbourne City's to lose at this point, Jules, and... And I, I'm admiring the way they play, but, but my admiration for this squad of players um, goes deeper than that. Firstly, they're dealing with the departure of Paddy Costorbo yep. and the transition to Rado has been seamless. Um, you know, and for as long as that continues, congratulations to Rado. But for this team, the bigger point is for this team to maintain their standards when, when other teams have flirted uh, and, 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 and move between playing great stuff and then dipping into the rank ordinary, rank mediocre. But above that, Melbourne City are maintaining a really high line. Uh, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, and I, I, I'm just full of admiration for them. And, and who's going to beat them from here? Well, I'm not prepared to say anyone. I think uh, I'm pretty comfortable they'll run away with the Premiership, even at this early stage. And then when it gets to the Championship, well, anything can happen on a day, as we saw with... John Aloisi's great effort yep. last year in the grand final with Western United, but they're quite a formidable operation, Melbourne City. Congratulations to them. Yeah, you mentioned the Mariners there. Now, we know Garang Quall was signed by Newcastle. He's going to be loaned out. It appears from the most recent reports he's going to join Hearts uh, in mm. the Scottish Premier League. Good move for Garang. We know there's a lot of Socceroos and a lot of Aussies uh, playing in Scotland at the moment. We know what Ange is doing with Celtic. Is that a good move for Garang Quall signing with Hearts? It's where he's going to, firstly, the first, it's where he's going to get the most game time mm. uh, in the short term. And if, if that's likely to be Scotland, well, his mind is going to have to make that decision. Uh, I, I would have, you know, all the talk was Portugal, found it or, or not, that conversation seems to have run aground. Um, Portugal would have been a destination I'd have preferred for him. 
um, and and for a lot of our players because it's that type of football that at international level our guys need to get more adept at, at playing, but also learning how to counter. Um, you know, highly technical, great dribblers, and, it, and that's what Garang Cole has the potential to be—a a really exciting winger. So, um, you know, it's not our—it's not our call to make. If he gets games at Hearts, which is a which is a great club with an Aussie contingent, will help uh, his landing there, including his former teammate uh, Kai Rolls from the Mariners. You can't complain about that. The Scottish Premier League uh, is a very very robust competition where you've got to earn your coin and and. And that's the next stage of Garang's development that needs to be checked off. Yeah, Cam Devlin and Nathaniel Atkinson, Nathaniel Atkinson also at Hearts. Uh, FA Cup on the weekend, Andy. We love to see some uh, upsets in the FA Cup. We certainly saw that. Sheffield Wednesday of League One defeating Newcastle. Uh, this morning, Stevenage uh, from League Two defeated Aston Villa. Uh, Ryan Reynolds' Wrexham defeated Coventry, uh, who are in the championship at the moment. Probably the big story, though, is at Chelsea. Graham Potter thrashed 4-0 uh, by Man City. Uh, they're on a bad run in the league. They're out of both domestic cups. We know it's a different owner, but Chelsea love moving on their manager. How much trouble's Graham Potter in, potentially? Well, it's going to hinge mostly on the league form, not the cup form, but this doesn't help. Uh, unfortunately, in my view, the FA Cup has gone down the pecking order of importance. Yeah, it has. Uh, uh, um, which doesn't mean it's an insignificant trophy, but it's not what it was. Um, and, you know, co- coaches and managers do avail themselves of the opportunity to play squaddies, squad players. Um, so I don't know to the, ex- the extent to which that was the case for Potter, but, you know, it doesn't help his cause. The league form um, is the big one, and, and if they start dipping there, he's going to be gone. There'll be no patience. Um, this is not going to help him, but it's not going to kill him in the short term. It's the league form that's going to do it. And it's how he keeps the ship together with a really heavy loss like that, which is going to be of more importance to him, how he gets the players refocused and believing in the direction he's setting. Um, but, but it's the league form that'll make or break him. Not ideal when the uh, travelling fans are singing the former manager's name, I wouldn't have thought, when you're getting belted 4-0. Well, you know, these undercurrents have to be dealt with as well. I mean, it's a, these are very difficult circumstances, um, these are supposed to be career highlights for career coaches who want to get into the top clubs in the world, and you just realise how, how how tenuous the whole existence is. Highly stressful. You've got to have really thick skin, a deep belief in what you're doing, and a preparedness and, a, and, a, and an understanding in your mind that the phone could ring. You could get the DCM. Any phone call could be a DCM. Don't come Monday. <laughs> you've got to get ready to go on. I mean, that's the life these people choose. They get paid well in the short term. Um, um, and that hopefully is enough to take the financial pressure off them. But but as far as a, a, a professional slash life choice, it's it's only for the few, surely. Who could deal with that stress on a regular basis? Have you ever had the DCM call? Me? Yes. Not as many as some people would have liked. <laughs> Not a great call to get that one. That's when you want the coverage to drop out, when you get the yeah, DCM no, call. Yeah, yes, no, exactly right, exactly right. No, it's a... I think the world of business is a ruthless one, isn't it? Um, We've got to negotiate it, navigate it. Yeah, it's brutal being an English Premier League manager. They change them very quickly. Andy, as always, uh, great to have a chat. Plenty going on in the world game, both locally and overseas. We'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Jules. On you, mate. Andy Harper from Channel 10 and Paramount Plus chatting all things the round game. Uh, After the break, going to play some... It's a big story in the NRL at the moment. It, It... 
contains one of the Brisbane Broncos stars being uh, less than generous about his coach's coaching ability. Kevin Walters at the Brisbane Broncos. We'll play you that audio uh, coming up after the break here on Mornings for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel. It's in stock now. Breakfast on SEN. Usman Kawaja on the tough decision from Pat Cummins to declare while Kawaja was on 195. I could sort of... Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech driver Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. Mornings on SEN. Welcome back to the show. Uh, some nice feedback for our man Andy Harper coming through. He's always fantastic to speak to, knowledgeable, passionate. The only downside to Andy is every time you seem to call him, he's on the road. I know he lives out near Newcastle, uh, up in uh, New South Wales, and always driving, but uh, he's a busy man, always on the road. Uh, please have harps on every day, says Anthony. I'd love to have him on every day. I don't think he'd want to talk to me every day, but I'd love to have him on every day. And another excellent discussion with harps. Well done, says Rick uh, from MP. Thank you for the feedback, Rick. Now, this story caught my eye. Uh, last night when I was just uh, flicking through social media. It's a big story in the NRL uh, at the moment. So there's an outside back by the name of Selwyn Cobbo who plays for the Brisbane Broncos. An emerging player, had a good season uh, in 2022. But some comments he made about Kevin Walters, his current coach, uh, which he made on a podcast called The Back of the 135 back in October. But they resurfaced on Saturday night on Reddit and I'll just play you the comments just to think how big a story this would be in the AFL if a current player said this when asked about their current coach. But he wants to know if, if Kivy's a good coach or not. Um, <clears throat> I reckon he's a, he's a good person. Yeah. He's a good person, like a good bloke. But I don't think he's a good coach. Like he's not the best coach, but he's he's all right. Like he's, I feel like he's just a good person. Yeah, mm. yeah, he's just a good person, eh? But I don't reckon he's a he's a coach. Even that, though that's what you need, right? Yeah, but even though you know he experienced footy, you know, you know he been through all that grand finals and all, all that. But I feel like he's he's not a coach. But he's a good bloke. You know, he's a good person. Does a lot for the club and that too. Yeah. Mm. But the way he coaches, it's a bit. Weird, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Not the normal. Yeah. But no, he's a good, he's a good person, though, yeah. Yeah. He's a right coach, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, Selwyn. He's a good bloke, but he's not much of a coach. Now, as always happens in this situation, uh, the Broncos were forced to put out a statement. Selwyn said he was taken out of context. I'm not sure he was ta- taken out of context. And they've had some dramas, uh, the Brisbane Broncos. It puts, you know, Kevin Walters is under pressure as it is uh, going into this season. Uh, there was also further reports uh, today that also, as part of this podcast, he was out. He was he's not playing in the game, but the Broncos had a game late in the season to try and keep their play uh, their finals hopes alive. They were getting belted. He was there watching. Decided to walk out, walk out at halftime. Seen enough. Was disappointed in his teammates. Just went home. Uh, so a bit going on there in the hour. Can you just imagine how big a story that would be in the AFL? So if you go back six or seven years, Jack Rewalt, he made some comments about the game plan Richmond were playing at the time. He, he was basically saying that, you know, they were trying to play a bit like Hawthorne, but he wasn't sure that was going to work. That absolutely blew up. About a week later, he was being chased down towards Punt Road Station. 
uh, from Punt Road Oval because people wanted to comment. It was massive, and it was 25, no, 10% as uh, bad, in the one of the other word, as those comments from Selwyn Cobbo. Can you imagine how big a story that would be in the AFL? And most players toe the company line. We've had the, the Jason Akamanises of the world that are pretty honest, but uh, no one in the AFL today would say that about their coach. Yeah, good bloke, but not much of a coach. Uh, let's get to the newsroom. Uh, Melbourne's weather today, magnificent. Currently 24. Has it dropped a degree, Benny? It's 25 before. There you go. Currently 24. So it just dropped a little bit. But we're going to get to 27 uh, today. That's for City Power, supplying power to homes in the CBD and the inner suburbs. Let's get to Anna Pavlou in the newsroom. The SEN app, now compatible with Apple Watch. Download today to listen anywhere, anytime. Making SEN news this hour. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese is across Melbourne today, a top of 27 degrees. The UV index predicted to reach 12 thanks to Sun Smart and cloudy tomorrow, a top of 24. And the Big Bash continues tonight with the Hurricanes taking on the Stars, live right here on SEN Cricket. Thank you, Anna. Welcome back to the show. Just an NFL update. If you don't want to hear the scores, maybe just uh, switch the radio off for a sec or cover your ears. So the some matches have just been completed. The 49ers comfortably over the Cardinals, 38-13. to The Commanders defeated the Cowboys, 26-6, a match that didn't matter uh, for the Cowboys in the end because the Eagles defeated the Giants, 22-16. Uh, and the Seahawks have just made it through. They've won in overtime against the Rams. So they were 16-13 down late in the fourth quarter. Got to overtime and they've won at 19-16. So the Seahawks are now in the playoffs. Packers and Lions uh, to come. So plenty more to play for in that game before we get the wild card underway next week. Uh, the golf, the tournament of champions. It looks like John Rahm's going to get the job done here. Uh, so six shots uh, in front, Colin Morikara was heading into the final round. He's even through 17 holes. Uh, he's now 24 under. John Rahm, nine under for the day. What a performance. He's now 26 under and look like he is going to win that tournament. So uh, that is quite extraordinary stuff uh, from John Rahm. Just going back to this story that we mentioned uh, before the break with Selwyn Cobbo, and just to put it into some context. So it's not the first time a player has said, Something a little bit controversial about Kevin Walters. So uh, their playmaker last year, uh, Tyson Gamble, uh, was on a podcast where he too touched on uh, Walters' coaching credentials. Uh, speaking on the Marshy's Corner podcast, Gamble had described Broncos halfback Adam Reynolds as the mastermind and the go-to man for everybody. Kev's the coach, but um, Reno is the go-to man for everybody. If you've got a question about the team of footy, you go to him. It's not a knock on Kev, but Reno has been around for so long. Kev really understands footy and he's a good bloke in getting the team up and about. But the modern day is so way so different to the way Kev played his footy. So he's not the first to us. So that's two players that have questioned uh, Kevin Walters uh, on podcasts. So he, Gamble at the time, insisted his jokes were, uh, his uh, comments were a joke. And uh, that's sort of what uh, Selwyn Cobbo has done here as well. Now, he said in the podcast, the question was around uh, the host had told Cobbo he had a mate in Brisbane who wanted to know if Walters was a good coach or not, prefacing the question with, you don't have to answer it. So he had the chance not to answer it, as one here off the temper text quite rightly says. 
Great effort to be taken out of contest when you say the same thing five times. That's a very good point. And we mentioned Jack Rewalt before and those comments that he made. I reckon it was about 2016. I reckon it was 2016. Uh, when that turned out to be a really disappointing year uh, for the Tigers, as Benny's put up on the screen. Here. I remember this uh, at the press conference. It might have been after the next game or or during the week. I remember Jack Rewalt made he made the comments at like one of those uh, McDonald's um, um, like Auskick uh, sort of holiday camps. It was just meant to be, a, you know, Jack was an ambassador and then it all blew up after he talked about the game plan. And Damien Hardwick said at the time, we caught up with him this morning and removed his foot from his mouth and my foot from his ass." Hardwick said. Obviously, we were pretty disappointed with his comments. We talk about being a United footy club and Jack went outside those boundaries. Unfortunately, he's learned a harsh lesson from that. So 2015 it was. There you go. Uh, going back a, a long time now. So, yeah, Tigers ended up making the finals that year. And we know what Jack Rewalt and the club's gone on to do since. So it didn't hurt them. But at the time, it was a massive story. And that is the way uh, it is playing out in the NRL at the moment. Uh, plenty of time now to give us a call. one three hundred seven three six seven three six or a temper text 433 Consumer's Choice. Winner temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact Shape of your body. Can you remember any others where uh, the foot was uh, put in the mouth by a player talking about their coach? Uh, so Jack Rewalt at the time. So this is what he said. Uh, we probably tried to copy Hawthorne a little bit too much with our kicking style. We probably need to rely a little bit more on natural progression, which I think we'll get back to, actually. I know we'll get back to it. You try new things, and unfortunately, you learn from your mistakes. We've learned from it as a playing group, as a coaching group, and a footy club as a whole. Now, that is not much <laughs> when you can see, consider what uh, our old mate Selwyn has said at the Brisbane Broncos. Yeah, good bloke. Not a great coach, essentially. Uh, so you can give us a call on that. Any, any others you remember where a player has uh, really questioned their coach? Anything you want to talk about uh, with the cricket? Who should be on the plane to India? Who should have been the player of the series? I think we all agree. It probably wasn't Dave Warner. Uh, who should have been? Anything you want to talk about? one 736 736 Not far away from the return of the pipe. Dwayne Russell is back today. Do some beautiful stuff uh, calling the cricket uh, alongside Jared Waitley, but he's back for a big show. And then it's the run home with Josh Jenkins and Bryce McGain this afternoon. Simon O'Donnell will be back for the Sporting Flame with Jimmy Smith in the Sports Day. So a big day here on SEN. This is mornings for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel. It's in stock now. Building on the Princess Freeway at the moment, heading inbound just after Corroway Creek Road. Apart from that, going 1593 AM. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech driver Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel All Wheel Drive. Mornings on SEN. Welcome back to the show, Julian DeStoop with you. Dwayne Russell, not too far away as Midday Madness returns with Dwayne for the first time in 2023. We're talking foot-in-mouth awards for players. Off the back of the comments from Selwyn Cobbo from the Brisbane Broncos, just saying he's current coach about five times, Kevin Walters. Good bloke, not a great coach, essentially, if you're paraphrasing uh, what he said in a podcast back in October, resurfaced on the weekend. He's been forced to... a Apologise, he's gone with the old taken out of context trick. Uh, so it's a big story in the, the NRL at the moment. Peter from Eltham uh, has jumped on the line. You can too, one 736 736 Send us through a temper text, 433 98 Temper, a mattress like no other. Pete, you got one for us? 
I hope, Jules. I'll uh, take a bit of poetic license when uh, Alan Iverson's training ethics were put into question. Oh, 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 and uh, it's not about the game; it's about the practice, <laughs> not the game. The game. It's the practice. Oh, it's a great piece of audio, that isn't it? Absolutely brilliant. brilliant. You know, Peter Ben Lyon here is so good. He just knew what you were going to ask, and he's so your impersonation was good. But let's hear from the man himself, Alan Iverson. We're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that, man? We're talking about practice. I know I'm supposed to be there. I know I'm supposed to lead by example. I know that. And I'm not I'm not shoving it aside, you know, like it don't mean anything. I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. But we're talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We're talking about practice, man. We're talking we're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We're talking about practice, man. When you come in the arena and you see me play, you see me play, don't you? Absolutely. You see me give everything I got, right? Absolutely. But we're talking about practice right now. <laughs> I think he's talking about practice. Oh, it's a great grab, that one. It gets a good run on the run home uh, with giving Gacy's on the show. So that was Alan Iverson. I think he's criticized for missing. A practice session. I think he's basically don't matter about practice, mate. When the game starts, I'll get you the job done. So you've got those examples where it's uh, you know it's audio. Whether that was a, a press conference, you got podcasts now which can trip uh, players up, but also you got social media. And then off the forty wings temper, uh, didn't so Jules was it Dylan Viojo Rainbow that blasted Mick Malthouse when he was at Carlton on Twitter in his draft year? Then the bag has picked him up anyway. Right draft. Wrong player. The player was Blaine Bokehurst, who was uh, Carlton's first pick in the draft that year. He was 21 years old at the time, picked 19 in the 2014 uh, National Draft. So picked up by the Blues, coached by Mick Malthouse. But earlier that season, he was watching a game between Carlton and Collingwood. It was in round 7, 2014. And then Blaine, of course, he doesn't know he's going to be a Carlton player at the end of the year. Doesn't even know he's going to be an AFL player. He was playing in the Waffle at the time. But he tweeted this. How can Carlton kick one goal five in a half? Disgusting display of footy. The whole Carlton team needs to go, or Mick does. Hashtag switch on. That would have been awkward when he was picked up by the Blues. Uh, and I remember he, he faced the press with Mick, with all the draftees at the time, and it was sort of all laughed off. But, oh, he must have had a little shiver down his spine when his name was read out by Carlton. Uh, and uh, he remembered those uh, comments. So, yeah, you can get yourself into trouble. Jason Ackermanis did it uh, several times uh, with the Brisbane Lions. Uh, so if you've got any more examples, send them through or give us a call between now and 12 o'clock. We've been asking who should have been the player of the series uh, in the test match between Australia and South Africa. Um, Dave Warner got it. Uh, it, was, it was a tie between Dave Warner, Travis Head, and Ujman Kawaja. A count back, they decided that his man of the match performance was the most significant or the best man of the match performance, and that's why he got it. Uh, it's not bad. I'm surprised Maj- Maharaj was a man of the series. He bowled us to victory, says Jason from Caroline Springs. And just before we get to the break, oh, Darren's back. Happy New Year, Darren. Nothing new. Hey, Jules, pretty boring. Maybe talk about the Bombers, says Darren. Well, Darren. 
I think I might do that tomorrow. They're back training today. I'll give you a comprehensive report that everything that happened uh, down at the hangar. Great to hear from you in 2023. Let's get our final breakaway. Dwayne Russell, the pipe, he's back for 2023. He's called some cricket. He's got the tonsils warmed up, uh, but he's going to be in the seat very soon. 12-3, run home, Joshy Jenkins and Bryce McGain. Then the sporting flame, Simon O'Donnell, hardest working man on more shows than Dave Hughes. Uh, he'll be joining Jimmy Smith and then Sports Day as well uh, to finish off your day leading into Big Bash Cricket. So a big, big day here at SEN. This is Mornings for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel. It's in stock now. Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, committed to Australia's renewable future for future generations. Breakfast on SEN. Usman Kawaja on the tough decision from Pat Cummins to declare while Kawaja was on 195. I could sort of feel it off Paddy. You know, you walk past and get this awkward tension. I'm like, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah I know what he's thinking. I went up to him and I said, do whatever you need to. Don't worry about me. you got to try to win a test match. We all got to try to win a test match. What kind of teammate would I be?